Welcome to another edition of the Dunamis Word Broadcast. And yes, His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let's exalt His name together. I am Pastor Harvey Burnett and I thank you for tuning us in today. Uh, listen, I'm just excited. I'm I'm happy. I'm just glad that you've taken the time to be with us for the special edition of the Dunamis Word broadcast. Listen, we're delving into this dualism and tripartism and trying to examine the scripture and just take a fresh look at what the scripture actually says and teaches and see how that pertains to our life and daily living. So glad that you're with us. We've got a lot to talk about today, but real quick, a word from our sponsor. Life insurance just may be the best and most efficient way to create and leave a lasting financial legacy. Don't let your loved ones wonder what you felt about them. Secure a life insurance plan that's right for you by calling the professionals of Dunamis Insurance and Business Services at 309-648-5351. Health issues? Turn down elsewhere? Don't worry. Dunamis has a plan for you. We search our vast network of the nation's most highly rated insurers and find the company that's best for you. And most of all, you get a professional, knowledgeable agent that will stay with you and help you navigate the insurance minefield. Remember, for life, health, disability, annuities, and more, call Dunamis at 309-648-5351 because Dunamis offers powerful solutions. Hopefully you've been able to follow the first two parts of this series that we've done. If you haven't, please go out to the Dunamis Word blog or to um, the Dunamis Word on Podbeam to view those particular um, uh, or to hear those particular uh, podcasts because we believe that um, what we're saying is going to ultimately help you uh, in a closer walk with Jesus. Now, um, we've actually uh, talked about quite a few things up until this particular point, but we want to kind of delve into the history of this tripartism. And we touched on that uh, uh, somewhat in the second broadcast and where it actually came from. But as we said before, it was an intertestamental development, primarily coming from Greek philosophy, the schools of Greek philosophy, um, and uh, was really a Platonic development or a development by Plato that uh, really, um, you know, has continue to prevail and exist even through modern times. Um, uh, Plato, uh, of course, wrote a book called The Republic in which he outlined uh, the uh, healthy components of a society, uh, of a republic, and he uh, paralleled those components or used the used spiritual parallels or the human parallels to kind of... Um, uh, uh, really build his concepts of what a strong, healthy society is. And he broke down what he said was the soul in three primary different areas. And um, again, we won't go real deep into this, but I've got to lay this foundation because as we make a transition to examine scripture, I hope that we can understand uh, a lot better uh, what happened here. Uh, but nevertheless, he lays down three particular aspects of the soul. Number one, there was a spirit and a temper called the Eros 
part, uh, spirit, temper, and desire, eros. And we know that from, you know, erotic love. That was the passion. That was the, uh, the, the drive that made people, uh, you know, connect with one another. That was a part of the soul. The appetitive compart- part of the soul or the thymus uh, was what he considered to be the most dangerous part of the soul uh, because, you know, that was your appetites. And if your appetites were not in in check, you could be subject to do anything and pursue anything. So he thought that that was a part of the uh, human being's soul. Then uh, the logisticon uh, or the part of reason, the rational part of the soul. Now, he thought that people that actually actually function primarily with the logistical basis or the in the rational part of the soul were the ones who should lead society that uh, it was those people uh, who should actually make the rules and laws and judge uh, other uh, individuals now to show that Plato was not saved and and uh, it's is very interesting the things that you hear about Plato and Platonic thought uh, because much of it is in our modern day uh, um, biblical teaching and expositions uh, but Plato was certainly not a believer not a believer in Christ he actually believed in reincarnation and one of the things that he believed in was uh, that God uh, created he believed in the reincarnation of souls and that bad souls would be uh, disembodied uh, and disassembled and put back together and he said that a woman's womb was the temple of denigrated souls. <laughs> so, uh, as you can see, Plato had really, uh, uh no regard, uh, in essence for children because they were reassembled bad people from a previous life. Oh my goodness. Um, and we can see many facets of our society with the endorsement of uh, abortion. You would think that many people, uh, you know, as the society endorses abortion, uh, may be thinking along that same line because there's really no justifiable reason to, um, justify killing babies as we see that's, uh, uh, soon to be, uh, if the president has his way, the new president has his way is, uh, uh, will be a, a federal law and the quote unquote law of the land. But nevertheless, uh, let's go a little bit further. Now, we looked, uh, last week at, uh, first Thessalonians 5 and 23, and we're talking about spirit, soul, and body. These three things, um, you know, were parts of the soul. The, that men were at least a tripart being according to Plato. Those things came over into the Bible. And I talked about that uh, uh, last time before I get into the scripture of, you know, it it was really kind of compounded with language. These Greeks gave, uh, you know, plenty of time, effort and energy into language and deciphering and defining certain things. And so they like, like we said, when we look at Eros, uh, we look at love, we look at phileo, agape, uh, Eros, there were many different types of ways to express the one word that we have in our vocabulary called love, whether it was a familiar love, whether it was a friendly love, whether it was a love between a husband and wife or uh, a, a, a love of, of committal uh, over a particular uh, thing or object. The Greeks had a word and they sought words to decipher that because they were led by a society of philosophical thought and uh, philosophical prose. And so, um, uh, the Hebrew was not as exact in language, but 
there were people, the people of the day, especially around the New Testament area, era, were people who spoke in Greek primarily. So <clears throat> when the translations were made, they were made from Hebrew into the Greek so that um, uh, those who were not Hebrew born, those who were not Jewish born, um, uh, could understand and read the language. Well, <laughs> when these things happened, um, the linguist, the linguists broke down certain aspects of scripture and broke down certain aspects of words um, based on, you know, the societal understanding of those particular concepts. So we see that uh, even though the Old Testament does not really teach, it's, it's a reach for for you to take the Old Testament and teach a tripartism uh, of man. It does, however, teach a dualism or a holism, what I call a holistic man, as I've said before, that man is if if a body, uh, soul and spirit, he is a complete single unit and that only God can separate that unit. However, we also see the apostles such as Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica um, uh, outlining in First Thessalonians 5 and 23 uh, the whole spirit praying that God preserve the people, uh, the individual saying that he would pray that God would preserve their whole spirit, soul and body hoping that they would be preserved blameless even unto the coming of, of the day of the Lord Jesus. So we, we see that. Now, why would he say say it in that way unless he was talking to a Greek-speaking audience who would understand, uh, though that Paul is talking about the whole individual uh, instead of uh, trying to prop up a, a doctrine or trying to uh, make another point uh, 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 in that because Paul is the same one as we'll, we'll outline uh, that says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, that number 1 and verse 19 and 20 that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and, and then he says in verse 20 therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. He does not mention a soul. This is the same Paul that spoke to First uh, Thessalonians or the church of Thessalonica and said that. And he comes back in First Corinthians uh, chapter six uh, and he says, um, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. He does not make a distinction between uh, glorify God in your body, in your spirit and in your soul. He does not make that distinction. So one would ask the question. Uh, is that distinction necessary? Uh, and as we look through scripture here, there's a few different reasons why people would make uh, that distinction. Um, another scripture that would support, apparently, that would support that distinction would be uh, the scripture in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, where it says uh, that the word of God is sharp. You know, the word of God is sharp, more quick and powerful than any two-edged sword. And it divides asunder, listen to what the word says, the soul and the spirit. The soul 
uh, and the spirit and the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, this is very, very intricate because it appears to say uh, that uh, if there is a division between soul and spirit, as God sees it, when God, again, in Genesis, um, God uh, laid man down or God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in him, breathed, breathed into him <laughs> the breath of life and man became a living soul. If there is a distinction within that living soul of a spirit and soul, then only God and his word can find that place. That is not anything that uh, can be uh, philosoph- uh, you know, philosophically distinguished or, 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 or talked about or identified from, from observation or, or, or anything like that. Um, Mary says something in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse uh, 46 and 47 Mary said in verse 46 said my soul doth magnify the Lord and verse 47 says my spirit hath rejoiced now many people will take you know those scriptures and run along with it hey Mary said she had a spirit and she had a soul you know those are two different things a spirit the soul magnifies and the spirit rejoices And, and you would have to say is this person split? Is there a split personality? Are there two things going on inside of this person, you know, at once? Or is this person moving as as a whole composite? Is Mary trying to say basically that she is happy in her whole self through and through at what the Lord has done and how the Lord said that he would uh, allow Messiah, uh, God, to come to earth to redeem mankind? Uh, so it's very important that we understand these scriptures within the context. Uh, let, let's let's read more, and and we can see these things. The dualistic nature of man, uh, you know, it, it was not an issue, in my opinion, to the New Testament writers as we read scripture. Matthew chapter ten, verse twenty-eight is one example. Uh, it says that you know we should fear the Lord. It says, "Fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." It didn't say soul, spirit, and body, but soul and body in hell. Matthew 16 and 26 says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Not his spirit and soul, but lose his soul. Ecclesiastes uh, 12 and 7 says uh, that um, uh, the body, the dust you know, the dust or the body uh, shall return to the earth at death uh, while the spirit goes back to God, while the spirit goes back to God. Uh, James in the New Testament, James chapter two, verse 26 says, uh, you know, as he's contrasting faith and works, he says the body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit, the spirit here. Uh, can also uh, be uh, viewed as the soul, the entity. He didn't say the body without the spirit and the soul is dead, but he said the body without the spirit is dead. John, Third uh, John chapter 1, verse 2, he says, I, you know, pray that you would prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. 
Is it possible for your soul to prosper and not your spirit? I think that that's a ridiculous um, uh, proposition to think that the spirit can do one thing while the soul can do another. And and those things separate from your body. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? I, I guess I'm I can't see your hands, but <laughs> nevertheless, it, it, it's a ridiculous proposition to separate these things out. And as I said, Greek society separated it. Uh, Plato separated it because he wanted to understand the the propensity to uh, for man to do extremely good on one hand and 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 be or do and perform extremely evil on the other hand and i believe uh his his thoughts certainly were not god inspired but his thoughts were uh, a way for him to approach the world and approach the sin that even moved in in him that he didn't recognize and or know how to reconcile and or fix. But society, uh, the Roman society being a republic uh, after Plato came along and adopted many of those thoughts. And that thing has perpetuated itself on today. But the bad part about it is that when the church got it, the church began to use some of the terminology that promoted similar concepts without reflection in my opinion, on the word of God that really uh, solidified that man cannot live without spirit. And if there's soul, he cannot live without soul. That that man, body, soul, spirit is a particular unit. And let, let me tell you, as I was saying in last broadcast, if you doubt what I'm saying, that the the body itself has um uh, you know uh, a world listen james said listen he said the tongue is a world of iniquity it's a world it's in its own class your your body as you seek to be closer to the lord you got to understand that that your body paul said i keep under my body and bring it into subjection he's not talking about just his physical self he's talking about everything that he is that the man that's connected with christ has to understand that this body can be out of control and out of pocket. Have you ever done something before you even realized it? It operates. Your functions operate without the mind, without even cognition. Many people have said, I said something I didn't even know I said. it. I have done something I didn't even know I did it. I, I, I performed this act and I blacked out. That blackout period is the body taking over this the sin this in this body there's a strong propensity for sin in this body if it's not for the yoke breaking power of the holy ghost the blood of jesus that shed on the cross at calvary listen i'm going to run into this into a part four but god bless you real good my friend we will see you in the next broadcast